It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and we have a very big show for you this week. First, we're just going to do a couple announcements. First announcement is I am recording this on Wednesday, August 24th. Because the show is so big, if I don't get the news part of the show recorded, it won't go out till Saturday, Sunday, or possibly even Monday. That's how big the show is this week. So I just want to put that out there. All the news that I thought was interesting up until this point when I'm recording, that's the news you're going to get this week. So if Elon announces <laughs> if Elon announces that he will spend the rest of his time on Mars on Thursday, you're not going to hear that on this show. Next up, Sarah Poulton was on the show last week and she talked about her Stay the Night podcast. That was not an advertisement. I don't know if any of you thought it was, but she didn't. She just asked if she could come on anybody's show to promote it. And Sarah and I follow each other on Twitter, and I know that she's a nice person. And I was happy to have her on the show and talking to her offline. And even while we were we were on the show, uh, you might see her again. She's she's a really cool person, so I really enjoyed having her on the show. But I listened to the entire season one of Stay the Night. It, I paid the $5 on Apple Podcasts to get the entire season. And it's well worth a listen if you like that genre of horror, which is my favorite genre of horror. I love it when old people go crazy. So, And as I quickly approach the age of old, um, I'm looking for tips. So if you don't want to pay the $5, you can start listening on August 29th. All you have to do is search for Stay the Night, and it'll come up with a trailer. Subscribe, and you'll get two episodes on August 29th, and that will go all the way until October 31st when you will actually uh, get the finale. And again, I don't want to give anything away, but it's so good. They did a, they did such a good job for an indie drama. They did, It was amazing. Anyway, enough of that. Next up, I am hosting a music show on Amazon's AMP program. Now, if you don't know what that is, is that you basically get to live out your dream as a radio DJ. I am not a DJ. Um, I'm just me. But uh, I like music lately because I've been listening to a lot of different music because of another podcast I'm doing. 
Um, it's really like, I'm really getting into music again and I've been wanting to try out amp. So if you go and download it from the app store, it's just AMP. Uh, I, I think it's in beta, but you can still download it. And if you just search for under users at Bodie in the amp app, and if you need help, I'm happy to, to help you out. Uh, you can follow me there and there's even, um, like there's even, I can even take calls so we can actually like, kind of like chat. So it's just kind of like a fun way to hang out and do things around music. I don't really see it as a DJ thing. I'm really more looking at it as a different way to build the community for this show. So yeah, on this week's episode, we're going to start with the news and then we're going to jump into a segment with Allison and Steve Sheridan where they walk me through their whole home battery. And then next week, Allison and Steve will return and they will explain to me how heat pumps work, which is something I'm still not able to figure out. And after listening to, to their explanation, I understand it a little bit better, but it's, it's a lot more complicated than it probably should be. All right, let's jump into our news this week. Uh, here's some news. I pre-ordered a Chevy Silverado EV this week. They took my $100 deposit. I still have my $100 deposit on the Cybertruck, but right now it's to the point where i got to start hedging my bets a little bit. After I hit the reserve button, though, I noticed that they were only take reser taking reservations for the work truck and the RST. The work truck I don't really want, and the RST is $100,000 plus, and I can't, I can't afford that. So uh, I spoke with the, sh the salesman at the dealership that I've been assigned to, and I was kind of asking him some questions. He doesn't have a clue as to what's going on. Uh, he said he'll get back to me. I don't have high hopes that he will. But uh, yeah, one of the questions after he kept saying, well, I don't know that. I'm not really sure. One of my questions is like, how do I get my money back? What's the how, how do we do the refund if, if I choose to do that? And he's like, I'm not really sure. I'll get back to you. So we'll see. I, I might have to send a couple emails. <laughs> I don't have high hopes, but nice guy, just Justin guy. Uh, next up, if I sound like I'm over-caffeinated, it's because I am. I accidentally uh, drank a soda and a coffee back-to-back because -back I wasn't thinking. Next up, though, Lucid Motors showed off the Air Sapphire at the Monterey Car Week. The Air Sapphire is Sapphire is a supercar masquerading as a sedan. Like if you thought that the Model S Plaid was amazing in terms of performance, the Lucid Air Sapphire, if it you know proves to be what everybody says it's going to be or what Lucid says it's going to be, is going to be even better than the Plaid, which is amazing because the Plaid is is awesome. Uh, I happened to see one driving around my neighborhood the other day. I don't know what it was doing slumming around here, but it was around here. Um, everything on this car has been beefed up to handle the performance upgrades. It's got a tri-motor, 1,200-plus horsepower, 0 to 60 in under 2 seconds, and that's from a standstill. So there's two ways to measure 0 to 60. One is kind of from this rolling start, and the other is a from a standstill. 0 to 60, 2 seconds is insane. 0 to 100 in 4 seconds it can do a quarter of a mile in nine seconds. It goes over 200 miles an hour. Man, this car is crazy. By the time you hear this, you're going to be able to reserve the Sapphire if you have the cash. The price is a very reasonable 250000 US dollars or 325000 Canadian dollars. So James, uh, let me know how many you're going to order. And if you're ordering more than three, consider you know passing one this way. 
I would appreciate it. Thank you. By the way, if you if you don't listen to True North EVs, which is James's podcast, you absolutely should. It's really good. All right, let's talk about Hyundai. Hyundai is reportedly looking to start EV production in the U.S. earlier than planned. This is obviously to take part in those sweet, sweet tax credits and other incentives that I'm probably not aware of for auto manufacturers. Hyundai has plans to release 11 new EVs by 2030. And I'm saying Hyundai here because the article mentioned Hyundai, but Genesis also has plans to release six EVs in that same time period. And Hyundai and Kia both have a similar release schedule for vehicles. So I would also assume that Kia is going to release 11 new EVs by 2030 as well. And while we're talking about Hyundai, the Ionic 5 won Car and Driver's EV of the Year. So that's pretty cool. All right, that is it for our EV news this week. Before we get to our Tesla news, I just want to go ahead and plug the Patreon. If you like what I'm doing with the show, because it's vastly different than it was two years ago, and even just a year ago, I'm trying to get more people on the show that have, you know, that that are knowledgeable and not me. (laughs) Go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. And consider signing up for a dollar. For a dollar, you get an ad-free experience and any extra content that I put out, which I don't honestly put out as much as I used to, just because it takes a lot of time. And that takes away from this show. So I figured that it's just better to give you an ad-free experience. And then any bonuses, uh, you just get it as a as a bonus. You can also, if you want to support the show, leave a review somewhere that accepts reviews for podcasts or tell a friend, because that that's also appreciated. We're trying to grow the podcast. Um, for the longest time, I was happy being small. Um, we, we have steady growth. We're not the biggest podcast out there, or EV podcast out there anyway. But now um, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm ready to grow. So tell a friend. I'd really appreciate it. Let's jump into the Tesla news. Tesla is going to do a three to one stock split. I think that happens today, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't pay attention enough to Tesla stock. But in any case, if you own Tesla stock, congratulations. You just got a three to one stock split. That's pretty awesome. And what's more awesome than that is there are Tesla clubs, like owners clubs, all over the world. And one of the cool things that these clubs do is they take part in charitable events. Well, the Tesla Owners Club of Columbus, Ohio, raised $2,095 over the weekend for Nationwide Children's Hospital. If you're a part of this club and you're listening, uh, great job. That's awesome. I would like to highlight more more clubs like this or more organizations that are helping with charity. So I think that's cool. Tesla posted a poster of AI Day on their Instagram, and it's a pretty cool-looking poster. The poster shows two robotic hands kind of making the heart symbol, and below that it says AI Day 2022, September 30th, Palo Alto, California. It's like, cool. <laughs> I saw this and I was like, oh, that's neat. Um, And then I moved on with my day. What I failed to read was the caption below the post. And it says, this is so great. It says, if you can run faster than five miles per hour, you'll be fine. So great. Um, I'm, I'm happy to announce that I can run faster than five miles per hour. How long I can do that, 
eh, is anybody's guess, but I can, <laughs> I can barely run past faster than five miles per hour. So I'll be fine for a little bit. Uh, let's see here. I know this show's all over the place. I apologize. You can email me Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com and register a complaint. Uh, all lines are open. Next up, a while back, we talked about a former Apple employee who allegedly stole IP and hardware from Apple with plans to give it to Chinese automaker Xpeng. And actually, there were two employees that were accused of this, but more on that later. Xpeng says that they were not involved in this in any way. And, and I think they've been accused of this three times or at least involved in stories like this three times. And they've said the same thing each time. Xiaoling Zhang, hopefully I said that right has taken a plea agreement, which we don't have any details on, nor will we probably ever get any details. But So he's taken a plea agreement. So whatever is going to happen to him, he's agreed to. The other Apple engineer is talking about, Jizong Chen has been charged with a similar crime, but he pleaded not guilty, and Chen will head to court on August 29th. So I'm sure we'll have an update to this story soon. And then, I don't know, it's like a year and a half ago or so, a former Tesla employee was accused of stealing trade secrets with plans to give them to Xpeng. Weird. Um, now, I'm not making any judgment statements against Xpeng here. I, I'm just going to give you a bit of advice. If you're working for a company that's a high-profile company and you're working on some sort of autonomous driving technology and Xpeng hires you, I would recommend you don't take so much as a pen on your way out. Like, like if, if you have a note card that's blank, leave it. Um, if you have a plant, leave it. it. It's too, too risky. Don't take anything with you. Just leave your office how it was and let them throw it all away because there is a lot of scrutiny. If you're going to that, uh, if you're, if you're moving from a, a company like Apple or Tesla to XPeng, you're going to get scrutinized. So be very careful. Tesla's new software update has some really cool features. First up, this isn't the beta update. This is just their software update. So first up, you get cloud-based profiles. So if you rent a Tesla or use a friend's car, um, it's set up the way you want it to. So you can just download your profile from the cloud, the mirror, the seats, the steering wheel, autopilot, uh, the way you like driving, climate control features, nav, media, data sharing preferences, all of that is just going to load onto the car as if it's your car. It's pretty cool. Another cool feature that I didn't know you couldn't do uh, before this is you can adjust your blind spot camera. Prior to this, you couldn't do that. So when you're looking at your blind spot camera, you can just drag your finger on the screen and you can adjust it to where it makes sense for you. So that's pretty cool. If you have premium connectivity, navigation will show different colors depending on the flow of traffic. So if traffic is slow or slowing, I guess it'd be yellow or red. If it's you know good to go, it's going to be green. I'm basing this off Apple Maps. I don't know what the Tesla one looks like. You can also disable the sound on sentry mode. So if you don't want to disturb your neighbors, but you still want to get alerts, sentry mode won't make any noise, but you'll still get updates on your phone. Um, this is really good if you live in an apartment complex or somewhere where it's a close knit community and you just don't want to be um, bothering your neighbors with accidental activations. When region is limited, the car will now 
automatically apply the regular brakes. So if your battery's charged past a certain point, regen won't kick in because they, you don't need to charge the battery. So now it'll char- it'll apply the regular brakes. I did. I always kind of figured it already did this, but I guess I'm wrong on that. And finally, <laughs> this is so cool. If you downloaded a game previously, I guess you couldn't remove it. You couldn't uninstall it. You just kind of had to deal with it. So if you downloaded a game and you're like, oh, this game sucks, you just had to live with it and it just took up storage. Now you can uninstall it. So that's good. I know I... I can somebody who actually has this feature tell me if you could do that prior to this last software update? Because it seems like that's something Tesla should have given you the moment they gave you the ability to install anything. So it's weird. All right, let's move on to FSD beta 10.69. Elon mentioned that they were close at the shareholders meeting that they were close to releasing 10.69. Well, now Tesla is slowly rolling out FSD beta 10.69. Initially, it's only going to be about a thousand beta testers and then expand to 10,000 beta testers probably next week. And that's provided nothing bad happens. One of the biggest feature updates, and they talked about this in the shareholders meeting, which is Chuck's left turn is the improvement when the car has to make an unprotected left turn, meaning you have to cross traffic. So if you have to go across, you know, a lane or two of traffic previously, it was a little hairy. It was a little scary. Um, apparently that's gotten a lot better. I have not yet had a chance to experience this, but apparently it's gotten better. Um, by all accounts, people are saying that it's much better than it was before. I don't know if it's perfect, There was somebody on Twitter that had some valid criticism, and I can't remember exactly what he said. It was this morning. Uh, There was some valid criticism about 10.69, where he said, yes, there's some improvements, but there's still a lot to be done. Elon replied back with something to the point effect of, if you're going to just complain about it, don't beg to be in the early release, which I think is kind of a snotty thing for Elon to say, honestly, because... Um, the criticism was valid and he was not being rude in any way, shape or form. And that's kind of what being a beta tester is, is providing critical feedback. And Elon has gone on record before that says that they will accept all feedback that is valid with, without, you know, pushback. And that was, he, he had a very emotional reaction in that moment because the feedback was valid. Like there were tons of people that would normally defend Elon defending this other gentleman because it was just kind of an out of pocket statement by Elon. But let's get to the biggest news with the 10.69. Elon said again in the shareholders meeting that the price of FSD beta is going to go up or FSD is going to go up, not the beta. Um, starting September 5th, FSD will now cost $15,000. That's $15,000 for a feature that you may not actually end up have working on your car by the time you're done owning it. Like if it turns out that they can't make FSD work with hardware three and you pay $15,000 on September 6th for this feature, you just paid $15,000 for a promise that isn't going to come to fruition. To me, I don't think I would do that. Like at this point, uh, you know, anything, I mean, 
any amount of money is real money. But at $15,000, anything above $10,000, we are talking about real money. That's a significant percentage of a, of a Tesla. That's a significant percentage of a just a regular standard car. $15,000 is a lot of money. Um, and I realize you don't have to buy the feature if you don't want to. You can get enhanced autopilot, which is about half the price, and you get most of the FSD features. So that's, you know, at least an option. And then you can subscribe to full self-driving just through the monthly subscription if you need it or want it. So it's not like you have to go out there and spend $15,000. However, in the end, I think this is going to come back and bite Tesla in the butt. I I just don't see this working out for them. When you have 100,000 people that spent $15,000 on a feature, a promised feature that doesn't work, and those 100,000 people say, I want my money back. Now, granted, they're going to sell more than 100,000 cars with 100,000 features, right, with this $15,000 feature. But those people are going to want their money back, and there's going to be a class action lawsuit, and Tesla's going to have to pay them back their money because they sold a service that they don't currently have. They sold a promise. And I I, I feel I don't feel like this is a good way to do business. I think Tesla should sell every single feature that they can offer right now that isn't in beta, and they should price it appropriately, which is probably closer to what Enhanced Autopilot is currently sitting at, which I think is about $6,000 as of today. Price it appropriately. And then you're... (laughs) You're only going to provide joy when you get give people more functions. But right now, you're selling a promise, and it's a big promise, and you've been selling this promise since 2016, and you haven't fulfilled on it. And it's always a year and a half away, and you are you have increased the price of this uh, uh, feature by ten thousand dollars since 2016. I just it's it's going to come back and bite Tesla in the bottom. Also, there's some rumor that Tesla may not honor the $7,000 um, full self-driving for the Cybertruck, even though it says if you put your money down, when we put money down on it, that it would be locked in or $7,500 or whatever it was. Uh, there's some rumors that Tesla might not honor that. I, that's just some stuff I saw on Twitter. I have not read anything out of an actual news source. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on that, and I'll let you know. But... Yeah. How do you feel about this? Because I feel like I rant and rave about this all the time, especially when the price goes up. Can you give me some feedback? What do you feel? Do you think I'm overreacting? What are your thoughts? Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. And for what it's worth, I'd still buy a Tesla. Uh, This isn't going to keep me from buying a Tesla. I'm still a fan of the company. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, friends, the time has come. Let's sit down with Allison and Steve Sheridan and talk about their whole home battery. It's a pretty good talk. Allison and Steve, welcome to the show. How you doing, Bodie? Hey, thanks for having us, Bodie. How are both of you? Hot and sweaty California, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Not Back. by your standards, but... No. You know, uh, my son was <laughs> driving my kids to school this morning, and my son came out, and he had a sweatshirt, full sweatshirt on with the hoodie up, and he wears a mask at school. So with the mask, I'll send you guys a picture in Telegram after this, but I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, this is how I feel comfortable. I was like... Oh, okay. What's wow. the temperature there? Um, at that time, it was probably 90 with a ton of humidity. Jeez. <laughs> it was, I, I don't know. He's a weird kid. Anyway, I invited you both on because I had questions. I had questions about battery packs. We'll just say battery packs for now because I don't want to spoil it. And I had questions about heat pumps. I don't know what a heat pump is and I can't figure it out. <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, kind of ex- expand in a conversation Alice and I, and I had a couple months ago because you guys were looking at getting battery packs. Can you re- kind of and, refresh us? And we on mean which whole battery home packs? battery packs is what we're talking about, right? Right, right. Not battery packs for your car or your cell phone or anything like that, like for the home. I think when we last left the story, we told you that we had looked into them 
but we couldn't find any justification to buy them because uh, our power company pays us back for excess uh, solar generation. So we couldn't really do the math to say that it would we would even break even, much less uh, we, we definitely it would cost us a lot of money. Somehow we managed to justify that, right, Steve? Yes. I, there is the factor of covering yourself in the event of a grid failure, power failure. Uh, but that doesn't it by itself justify the cost because we don't our grid is pretty reliable here. So the few times it goes down a year, if at all, except twice, it happened twice while we were in the process of putting yes. in the batteries. I didn't quite make it. Uh, the The other thing we looked at, though, and I hadn't realized this was I was one of the main reasons I wanted solar was to stop burning dead da- dinosaurs. And what I discovered was that when we're using energy at night. Even though we gave energy to the grid, the energy we're using at night for, can be from uh, unrenewable resources. So I think that was one of our other big motivations was could we become independent of, of the grid and not have to buy uh, – not, not truly independent, but you know, not drawing from the grid, drawing dirty energy. There is one other factor. It hasn't come to pass yet, but California is um, looking at it, updating its net energy metering policy – Allison mentioned that we pretty much get dollar for dollar credit for every excess kilowatt hour of solar power we generate. So it's like having a battery in terms of cost. It, it, you get paid back for putting energy into the grid one for one, the same cost as you would pay. But the new net energy metering 3.0 rules would, would knock the proposal. that number. The proposal, which hasn't been passed, would knock that number way down and you would not get one for one, in which case shifting your energy draw demands and when you put it back into the grid makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I know in Utah, um, they do one for one, or at least maybe a year ago, they did one for one. And then they have a plan over the next five years to step that down to 40%. Mm-hmm. At this point, so we were starting to think about getting uh, whole home batteries, and Steve started doing a trade study of with the uh, company that we used to install our solar between two different brands, right, Steve? Yeah, it was um, w- with the same solar installer. They they provide either Tesla Powerwalls or in in phase batteries. And, and Enphase uh, is who our solar panels are. Th- is the brand of our solar panels? Yeah, t- technically, it's the inverters. That are in phase. The solar panels are Panasonic, but they work with okay. the in phase electronics and controller. So it's really branded as in phase. But the batteries are provided by in phase or power walls, Tesla power walls. And so we went through a, a lot of debate on which way to go, but we ended up with te- two Tesla power walls. And we can talk about how we ended up there. Yeah, just kind of briefly, what, what was the. What was the thing that made it make more sense for you? Because for somebody else, Enphase might make more sense or another brand. But what made it, uh, what kind of tipped over, tip it out, tip, I don't know why I'm having a hard time, tipped it over uh, for you? Uh, I would say two things. I'll talk about the first and then I'll hand it over to Allison for the second. The first is that they just, each Powerwall battery versus Enphase battery provides more than 30% more stored energy. It's 13 and a half kilowatt hours for a power wall and 10 kilowatt hours for an in-phase whole home battery. And we knew we would be limited to probably a couple batteries for both cost and space availability on our wall exterior wall. So, and we also knew about how much we needed on a daily basis. So that tipped us towards having greater 
energy storage per battery, which was Tesla in this case at the 13 and a half kilowatt hours. The other factor I'll let Allison talk about, uh, which is uh, the application, the Tesla app. Yeah, so since we have uh, Tesla cars, we have the Tesla app already, and uh, but we wouldn't have to in order to do this. But with the uh, Tesla app, you can see real time how much power is coming from your solar and how much your house is consuming and how much is going into or out of the battery. And it's graphically done. It's really, it's really kind of slick. So at any moment in time, you can see, for example, right now, we would see energy going from solar and being split between refilling the battery from last night's usage and, and going into the, or drawing energy from the home, or the home is drawing energy from it, I should say. And then at night, you'll see it switch over to where it's just the battery powering our house. And it's, it's really, really, really cool to look at it and see that you are never pulling from the grid. Now, there's a caveat to that we'll get to uh, when we explain a little bit more about what we had to do. But uh, to be truly energy independent is just, it's mind-blowing. I have spent my entire married life telling Steve to turn lights off. And now <laughs> I don't. I literally don't. I just walk by and go, hey, he's got his TV on. He's outside yeah. washing his car. Doesn't matter. <laughs> to, as an emphasis that we're energy independent, when Allison described the three paths of energy flowing in the Tesla app, she didn't even mention the grid path, which is a fourth, because we rarely see energy flowing. Uh, well, sometimes we see it flowing to the grid, but rarely from the grid to our home. Yeah, because there's times where the battery's full and we've got excess energy. And so we are still feeding the grid. And each night it depletes the battery, but it goes down to during these sunny, real sunny days we've been having, it gets down to maybe 62% full overnight. And then in the morning it fills back up and then we start feeding the grid again. So we're being good humans to the grid and we're energy independent on that. That's awesome. So before we get to the installation process, did they give you like a, a home survey to fill out? I know a lot of places will do this uh, before they come out and do the installation. Did you have to fill out a home survey? No, we went through about a what? lot more. About uh, kind of like the things that are in your house, how many air conditioners you have. Oh. Um, they have you take pictures on the outside of the house and that kind of thing. But maybe not because you guys had already had this done through the same company. Maybe that's not something you had to do. Yeah, we also did a lot of pre-work with our circuits, which we'll get to in a bit. And so I think we may have um, – beat them to the punch with providing a lot of that information in in advance. We'd already thought about what circuits we'd want backed up and which ones we wouldn't because I knew what the Tesla Powerwalls could handle from a current uh, perspective and a total power perspective. Well, you, so would, I, you would ask them the question of how much – uh, how much power can I have provided by these? And they gave us, uh, they told us we would need to figure out what circuits to be backed up, go to the battery. Yeah. And it's in the Tesla Powerwall specs. You can see it, you know, before they even talk to you. So when you say circuits, you're talking about uh, the individual outlets, or are you talking about the outlets that are connected to a breaker? So we're talking really both, but the major, the um, let's say the outlets connected to a breaker are kind of in the noise when it comes to power draw. It's the major circuits or the major devices that really come into play, such as electric ovens, microwaves, EV chargers, maybe electric dryers, anything air conditioners, that, air condition, air conditioner, anything that has, uh, let's say, a two forty volt connection and more than just a fifteen amp breaker. There's also a maximum adding all those together 
So there's a number you're trying to stay under. Yes. And and it's not as simple as just adding them up because the type of device and how it turns on is another factor. But in a steady state condition where the device is up and running and it's delu- it takes a certain number of amps or watts to power, those do add up and become a maximum you cannot exceed if you're powering from the power wall. So that determines which circuits, and it has to be done by circuits, uh, I'm talking about circuits in your main panel. Um, though that determines which one of those can be backed up and which ones may not be able to be backed up. Can I jump in and start talking about the inventories here, Steve? Sure. So when when we had our uh, our old electrical panel, we had a vague idea of what the cryptic labels meant. But when we uh, went to have the uh, when we had the solar put in, they they got rid of all that and they created this uh, new panel that was a two hundred amp breaker. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Two hundred amp panel. And so Steve and I went through and inventoried the whole house, where we literally went around with a little uh, USB light and plugged it into. Uh, outlets all over the house and said, okay, this is, we turned off one circuit and then we ran around and figured out what didn't come on. And then we went around, turned off the next circuit. Well, okay, what's next? And we created this very detailed inventory. So we had this nice inventory going into uh, creating, uh, going to the next stage. So Steve made nice labels uh, with his little label maker that you could clearly see like really specific details of, you know, Allison East wall uh, lights and uh, the light in the closet are on this circuit, that kind of thing. And um, they, we were because we had that, we could see because we did that inventory, we were able to see that all of the stuff we really truly cared about being backed up would be able to go into the home whole, whole home battery. For example, we wanted to make sure our cable modem, our, our, you know, our FiOS modem, would be on that. We wanted to make sure that the uh, our our Synology was on it. Um, you know, the, the critical things are our studios with our computers and everything would be on the circuits. So we went through and did that and did all the labeling and got it all set up. And then they changed it all when they, uh, they kept it the same, but they poorly labeled it after they did the battery. But, uh, oh, no. we had to do it. We ended up doing it three times in the end, I think. So, and the reason they redid things is because they, if you go through a, for partial home backup, you will have to have a new sub panel in addition to your main electrical panel, to which all of the backed-up circuits will be routed, separate from your main panel. So I think we have three panels now, don't we? Uh, well, <laughs> we have other uh, off-and-on switches and fused switches, but they're really two oh, yeah. electrical panels. Shut-offs. Shut right. There are many right. little Safety. doors Shut-offs. I can open and flick, sw- throw things. Right. I can tell you, you that. You feel like you're you're working in a nuclear power plant. <laughs> Pretty like much. In, in the old times when you're trying to shut down the, the reactor. Yeah. feel like Homer Simpson. Shut them all down! <laughs> right. <laughs> now, I will, I will add, um, for someone who's not into it as much as we are, you don't need to do all this stuff, and, the, and typically the battery installer will help you with... Uh, determining which circuits uh, will will fit with the number of batteries you can either afford or size for your home, so they'll help you with that trade off. We just we got into it a little more and had some prior information. Yes, I, I, one of the things in the year and a half that I've known you guys is I, I know that you have to keep your minds busy, otherwise <laughs> uh, chaos ensues. <laughs> Like just yes. listening to some of your stories, everything's a science experiment at the Sheridan household. Oh, everything's got to be documented. <laughs> I, I do want to change one word. Steve just said, uh, 
he used the word we, which was gracious. I wouldn't have known how to do any of the stuff he's talking about with the electrical panels. I didn't know a lot of that. I know a lot now because he's been teaching me along the way, but I've, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm pleased to know it could have happened without me knowing all of that. And you provided critical moral support and assistance determining those circuits and which ones <laughs> would work and not well, are attached to certain devices. What we were delighted to find out was how much we could back up. When after we went through the inventory, it turned out there were only two things couldn't be on the backup. Steve, yeah, um, those two things were our electric vehicle charger, which is on a fifty amp, two hundred forty volt circuit, dedicated, and our electric oven, which is on a fifty amp, two forty volt circuit. And those two, uh, we we chose not to back up. I think if you push really hard, you can get the the company in certain circumstances to put those on the battery backup, but they won't guarantee things and they will, and you will be required to monitor which devices are active or you, or the battery will shut down. And in fact, didn't you say that the, uh, the cars couldn't charge off the battery, right? Yeah. They, um, unless we set the charger to a lower current limit than we normally charge at it, the batteries could not handle our close to 10 kilowatt of peak power charging our you know electric vehicle just can't support that's two two tesla power walls can't can't cover that oh it's not even something i thought of i just figured if you had power walls you'd be charging off your power walls in in the evening time rather than the grid charging the cars yeah not in this case now i think three three might cover it Uh, or or you knock down the current don't charge it uh, you know, 50 amp circuit charges at 40 amps for Tesla power walls. You could knock that down to maybe 30 and cover it with the two power walls. So just charge okay. more slowly. Yeah. It's really sad though that we just bought two 13 and a half kilowatt hour batteries when we have two 75 kilowatt hour batteries sitting in the garage with <laughs> wheels on them that we can't yeah. use to back up our house. Right. I do. From what I understand, and I don't know. Like this might be old, but uh, from what I understand, the battery chemistry they use for the power walls, even though it's the same 2170 format, the battery chemistry is a little different than what goes in your cars to help uh, minimize battery degradation with the charging up and putting down and stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. So, and and to replace a battery in your car is going to be a whole lot less than <laughs> replacing a battery on your wall, for sure. So let's talk about the installation process. Um, wait, wait, you forgot to ask one question. Why did we okay, buy go. two and not one or three? Oh, please. This actually goes into what we were just talking about. Why, we, why did we you don't buy know. two? We do, we <laughs> well, don't know. okay. So <laughs> there was a little bit of math involved, but it came down to a, a judgment call and a conservative one. So a Tesla Powerwall, as we said, can hold 13 and a half kilowatt hours of stored energy. We did a, how much energy do you use during a day? We, we wanted to be able to cover our home usage in the event of a power outage for a full day because we knew our solar could help recharge the battery the following day. But we wanted one full day's worth if we could get it. And we average around 25, sometimes 30 kilowatt hours per day. Now, time of year, whether it's sunny, all these other facts, whether you charge your car, whether you bake something in the oven for three hours, all that comes into play, but on average about 25 to 30 kilowatt hours. And if you look at two Tesla power walls at 13 and a half kilowatt hours, that's what, 27. So it kind of fits the sweet spot of what we typically use in a day. 
one would only be half that. But is that true even if we don't use the oven or the uh, charge the cars? It, it's probably a little less, and and then it comes down to, well, do we want a little extra? Do we want headroom? And that's what led us to go with the two versus the one. So it's probably a little more than we need if you remove the energy for charging cars and and for baking in the oven. We figure during a powder outage, we can just give up baking and Hopefully our cars are charged and we can go to a supercharger. Okay, awesome. Well, let's go. Let's go on to the installation process. How did that work? Like from contacting the company and telling them, okay, we're ready to do this, to getting them put on the actual house. Well, so we had experience with this company who installed our solar panels, and and they do have some delays in the process that are annoying. They're they're semi-responsive, but not immediately. But once we contacted them, a lot of the initial upfront work was kind of done because they knew us as a customer. They knew about our house and our layout. So all they needed to do essentially is send someone out and determine, one, where the batteries could be placed. There are a lot of restrictions in California about where you can put a power wall on the exterior of a house. Like Much five more feet from a window. and Oh, right. really? Yeah, and, and away from our gas meter, and they can't be spaced together closer than three feet. And pretty soon we started li- having very few places to mount these batteries. Oh, and you don't want them too far from your electrical panel because you got to run, right. you got to run along a 240 volt high, high amperage line there. Can I interrupt one thing here, Steve? Mm-hmm. A lot of people might be saying, uh, thinking to themselves, I thought you couldn't get power walls right now. Well, it turned out this ah. uh, th- they weren't available for a long time, and this company bought a whole bunch of them. So they had them in stock, and we knew that, that that we would get them quite rapidly. That might not be true for other other companies that you contact. Yeah, and there's a right. I, I was on the Tesla forums uh, talking to some folks about this. I think there are certain companies that do have access to Tesla Powerwalls, and they have to be probably of a certain size and volume of business and have done work with Tesla in the past. They have been getting power walls. I mean, there have been dry spells, but recently ours did. But if you're going to Tesla as an individual, you cannot buy a power wall unless you have them install your solar as well, is my understanding. That's my understanding as well. You have to have the package deal. The other thing is Steve's describing where they could put the uh, the power walls. Steve and I took pictures of the side of our house showing them, you know, this is basically what it looks like. Then they drew a really, really bad not-to-scale drawing that drove us crazy. I mean, how do you how do you not draw to scale? I mean, come on. And so Steve and I worked, at, worked it out as a to-scale drawing, and then he cut out big pieces of cardboard and taped them to the, to the stucco wall saying this is where they're going to go and where just to make sure that it was going to work. And sure enough, oh, that's, that's where they ended up. Was part of that cardboard that that big old MacBook box that you had sitting in your house for a while? Or oh. no? <laughs> it, you know what? I think it was. I think it was <laughs> the one to send back to Apple, right? All right. So uh, you, you contact the company. They say, okay, cool. We're going to put these walls on. From, from the moment you contacted them, how long was it before they scheduled an install? Oh boy. Uh, it took a while just to get him to come out to the house to do the measurements. And I think it was another month. And then, oh, and then we went on a two week two vacation, <laughs> which, which put a, I didn't want them installing unless I was here. So, for sure. Um, so it ended up being about 
three months from the time we contacted them to the start of install. But there was some back and forth in that. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't consider this didn't feel slow. Not as much. Yeah. And part of it was due to us as, as we mentioned. Okay. So was there, did you have any delays? Like I was, um, you know, over the last several years, I've read a lot of different articles about people putting these things on their house or whatever. And there's always something there's like a, there's something that wasn't included in the box or there's something that wasn't, you know, uh, you know, when they look, they're like, Oh, there's not a, there's not a shutoff here, which you guys have shutoffs, but you know, there's always something that will delay the process. Was there anything like that that was just kind of outside what the normal was? Or was it just three months just because of your circumstances with vacations and their circumstances with scheduling? It was pretty much three months and no significant delay. I'll tell you, the th- my biggest concern is uh, dealing with the utility, which you have to, you know, we were getting a new electrical panel, sub-panel, and you have to get power turned off by the electric company uh, they have to remove your um, meter to mm-hmm. to go through oh, this process, and this is this is kind of funny. You know, a year ago we got our solar panels installed, and this and it took a few weeks, well, a couple weeks for SCE Southern Cal Edison to come out and do the process of unlocking the meter so that the installers could remove it and go through the electrical panel upgrade. Well, we go, I, and I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have to go through that again. <clears throat> so. Uh, they're the battery installers, the same company were out here to look at our system. And, um, they said, you know, you as the owner are going to have to make the request to SCE to have your meter unlocked. And we look at the meter. They never locked it back after the, the battery <laughs> oh. install. So that oh, whole no. delay was gone. It, they could just immediately start working on it. And that to this, funny. to this day, it's still not locked. <laughs> you know, it's Wait, not, so something- they could just pull the meter if they wanted to. Yeah. If you wanted to go out and pull your meter, you could just mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, I'm not about to do that. That's one thing no, as as electrical engineer I would not do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, early on when I first started as a firefighter, a volunteer in 1993, they taught us how to pull meters to turn mm-hmm. off power to the house. And knowing what I know now, it's like the dumbest thing. Like you, <laughs> you're spraying water and you're out there in rubber boots and you're just going to with steel shanks or steel, yeah, shanks and steel toes. And you're going to pull a, you're going to pull the, you're, you're going to get zapped. Like we don't do that anymore. We just shut it off at the top of the, the panel. But yeah, it is like a, the dumbest thing ever. Now the other delay, which I thought we would have to go through, but I, we didn't. There's a, at least in California, there's a, an approval by the utility called PTO permission to operate which is an official review of your installation and have you met code and all that. And then they give you the go ahead to flip the switch. And for our solar, that took a few weeks. And um, for the battery, um, this is kind of weird, but they, they haven't given us PTO as far as I know, but we are using it. <laughs> uh, and I, I asked the uh, battery installer, are you sure we should turn this on? They said, oh, yeah, they'll get back to you, but you can use it. And <laughs> I, I, it may be because we already had the system um, kind of upgraded for the solar and they were familiar with it, but that's probably a little different than maybe some installations. For the, the first house that we had our solar panels on, because we moved them, it was uh, weeks and weeks and weeks to get SRP out here to out there to do things. 
when we installed them on this house, uh, SRP was like Johnny on the spot. Like they would say, we need somebody out here on this day to do this assessment or whatever it was. And they were there. And when they were coming out to, to put all the equipment on that morning, SRP came, they did their thing with the crew here. And then, you know, when it was all done, the crew's still here. SRP comes out and, and does their thing, whatever they, whatever was needed. It was like the most seamless process. But the first time it was a very painful process. So I, I kind of get where you're saying there. Yeah, that's more typical from what I hear. Me too. So I'm glad SRP is on top of it, or at least they were in my case, this one case. What about install day? First of all, that's got to be an exciting day for you guys. It is. And it's it's actually, it was so much easier than the solar. We had a kind of a complicated solar installation because we had some roof modifications having uh, Spanish clay tiles, which had to be removed. We had a lot of roof. Uh, we had a lot of uh, electrical panel modifications. Um, this was very pretty simple and straightforward. It was laying conduit, slapping the batteries on the side of the house, hooking things up, and that took, it took a couple days. Well, there, there was one interesting interruption there. Um, they have such high demand for oh, the, right. um, for these Tesla power walls going in and batteries going in in general that they had brought in special crews from their commercial side. So they sent out this pair of guys who were working on our house who, uh, normally would work in commercial buildings. And they told us the way the scheduling works. They clear the, the reason it was hard to get a date to schedule. That was, that was one difficult thing was trying to find a three day span where they could come out. He said, once we come out, we have to stay and keep working this job until we're done. Oh, so wow. no matter how long it takes, they can't have anybody start, you know, they can't interrupt it. Well, they interrupted it anyway, <laughs> but it turned out it was, uh, some commercial building out in like, I don't know, Fontana, someplace where it's 145 degrees in the summertime had gone out and they're like, these people are dying and you guys just don't have a battery. I'm sorry. We got to go. And they, they were, they were seriously apologetic and they really didn't want to go out to that 145 degree area. So yeah, they said, we love yeah. working at your place. <laughs> they're in the shade, you know, you got the nice breeze coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty pretty smooth other than that interruption, but we didn't mind that. Uh, we knew what their intent was, and they were doing good work for us. And, it was and a I little bit hard to scoot the thing in, right? You said yeah, one we, of the batteries? We, we have a, a molding uh, that sticks out from the side of our stucco wall that the, the power walls had to fit right under. But the way they go on is they clip on from above and had, have to slide down. Well, that molding stuck out and interfered. Oh, no. Interfered a little bit with the the uh, slip on the clamp method, uh, but they found a way to do it. Got around that. That was the only difficulty they had. So awesome. many boxes, though. Yeah. So <laughs> many boxes. We have the the two power walls, and then on the back of the house, uh, visible from the back of the house, which we really didn't want to do, but there wasn't much choice. There's two more boxes back there, and isn't there a a, a fifth box somewhere in the There's, middle of that big wall? There are two more, right? So there's a fuse disconnect, rapid disconnect. There's a manual shutoff, the two power walls, and then the back of the house, there's the Tesla controller and the sub panel. So there are six new boxes. Two of them are large, two of them are medium, and two are small. So many boxes. Yeah. I think the house is going to tilt over on that side. (laughs) Right. How does the controller, do you know how many power walls that controller can, can, manage uh, i think because that's the brains that's just so everybody yeah. is clear yeah. that's that's how tesla 
and through your app and everything, that's how you manage it. It goes through the controller. So that's Yeah, that's what's deciding. Is the power going to go from solar to the battery, or is it going to go to the grid, or is it going to go to the house? Right. I don't know the, the, the limitation, but I've seen installations with four or five of those power walls and only one of those controllers. So I think it, it can control quite a few power walls. And that so that's not a current limitation. That's more of a control mechanism signaling limitation. That must be part of the reason why, if you get two or three, the the install price goes down significantly, right? And the purchase price goes down. Because I've always been curious. Yeah. I less, you, initially, I thought you had to have one for every power wall. No. The more you spend, the more you save. <laughs> <laughs> They're only well, ten thousand dollars a piece. It's called dollar cost averaging, Allison. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what dollar cost averaging is. It is if you're a, no, a moron <laughs> sitting in his basement in Tempe with the air conditioning off. All right. Uh, oh, we did have a big issue in the installation. Yes. Oh, we don't yes. want to leave installation before Steve gets to tell that story. Okay, let's do that. I forget. Okay, <laughs> so they they tell us it's ready to go. They tell Steve, okay, go in and start. They've they've turned the oh, power oh. back on. They said start turning some stuff on. So luckily, right. so I'm luckily, in the house. Steve went to the hallway. So I'm in the house as they are flipping up. So these are circuits that are newly wired into the the new sub sub panel sub electrical panel, right? So now there's a new path for them, and they're turning them on individually. As I'm in the house checking those circuits, into you know devices on those circuits. And they flip a circuit. Oh, yeah, those those devices are now working. Good, the lights turn on and the plug works. They start flipping the next one, and I hear a pop. And I don't like pops when breakers are, are switched on because that means something just blew. And um, and it then I went to flip a light switch on, and I heard another pop. And I said, okay, guys, we need to back up. What breaker did you just turn on? And it turns out that Several devices in our house, nothing too expensive, though, were blown because of an incorrect connection or uh, a badly done connection in the sub-panel. What, what happened is with a 240-volt circuit, uh, you, you can break them into two parts and get two 110 or 120-volt circuits, but a neutral kind of defines the midpoint between those. And that neutral was not properly connected. And so it's called a floating neutral, meaning that one of the circuits can be 200 volts and the other could be 40. Oh. And the 200 volts causes problems for many devices, not all, but many. And uh, that's what happened. Uh, we had a one circuit had a floating neutral, and it popped two ceiling lights and two ceiling fans. Which, and the company just took care of that for you, right? They were like, no problem. Yeah, although it took a while for them to get these devices because they needed to match the, their counterparts in the ceiling, and they're not common. It took a, oh. about three weeks <laughs> to order these things. Luckily, we were gone on another vacation, so yeah, we, yeah. we didn't miss it too much. But it, it bothered us because these were the commercial guys. Right. And they left a floating <laughs> neutral. It's like, what, what would have happened if you did that at like Target yeah. or something? You yeah. know, that's- <laughs> and, and to their credit, it wasn't that they forgot it. It's the connection that they made with the wire nut wasn't secure enough. So it kind of separated a little, but still you'd think commercial guys would not leave that kind of connection undone. Yeah. Maybe it was the new guy. We'll Maybe. The new no, guy. no, they were, they were pretty seasoned. They, uh, I <laughs> oh, mean, yeah. unless yeah. this was a second career. <laughs> Lots of beards out there. Uh, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. My dad was an electrician. 
Uh, I'm familiar with those guys. Okay. G- good guys. Uh, let's see here. When, how long did the install take? Scanned, Even with the delay? Like, three days. Yeah. Three days? Two and a half days, something like yep. that. But and there we was were, always activity and. Yep. And by the end of three days, batteries were turned on. We were seeing power. We were seeing them charge. We were seeing them power our home. I mean, it was working in three days. And when they were done, they had labeled the circuits about like a three-year-old would have done it. So we had to go through an inventory it again. Third time. Because everything moved. Yeah. Did um, when, when was it turned on for you? What, what day? Or roundabouts? Oh, I think that was uh, shortly after we returned from our Iceland vacation. Yeah, it was between oh. Iceland and, and, um, so that and was, Hawaii. Not yeah, so that was probably around uh, uh, late July, July twenty sixth or seventh. Okay, so you've had yeah, about twenty sixth, twenty plus days of power wall usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your experience like since you've had it? Um, Glorious. Yeah, I, I'm very pleased. It, the, the thing that really gets me uh, positively is how seamless a switchover to battery power is. So as a test, when they first uh, powered up the system, he said, okay, let's turn off. And at that time we were drawing grid power um, to power our home. And he says, okay, let's, let's switch the grid off and power your house from the battery. And I said, well, wait a minute, maybe we should go turn off some, some of these sensitive items like our computers and whatever. And he said, no, no, it won't be a problem. Um, he, he flipped this. Well, you actually do it in the app, the Tesla app, you go off grid is the command. And you, there's not even a flicker. It's just continuous, smooth, like nothing has happened, and you're now operating off the battery versus off the grid. Oh, and that's it, nice. It's just so – it's seamless and hands-free. It's well done, well executed on Tesla's part. And when the team – when they left, were they able to, like, kind of explain to you everything? Because it sounds like, just based on what you said, uh, they were kind of giving you a walkthrough of how your system is now going to work. I would say partial, but not fully. In fact, there are a couple things I didn't realize when they walked away that I kind of wish I had. Uh, they they did talk about the app and they showed us to f- uh, showed us a few features in the app, the Tesla app, which shows the power wall and all the other power sources. But they didn't quite explain what devices we would see on the app. So I was under the impression that, for instance, when we draw power from the grid. We would see all of the power we draw, not just on the backup circuits, but that's not the case. Power being drawn for the EV charger and our oven, which are not backed up, do not show up on the Tesla app as power coming from the grid, even though it can be tremendous. So that has to do with how they hooked up the, they call them CT sensors, which are... um, current transformer sensors, the clamps you put around wires to determine how much current's flowing. I think it has to do with where they put those CT sensors in the sub-panel versus maybe in the main panel. And so I've got a request into them to move those so I can see total draw from the grid versus just backed up circuit draw. And that leads me kind of to the next question was, did did you or do you currently have a sense, you know, the... the yeah. You, 
Yeah, we do. And that was a that was a beautiful device that we loved, and it's no longer working the way it used Let, to. Let's first ex- can I explain what it's supposed yeah. to do and what it used to do? Yes, so please. a sense, uh, the regular sense you can use if you just have regular electrical panel and you don't have solar or any of this stuff and you can you put these two clamps across two sides of your your power panel and it'll tell you how much you are not just how much energy you're consuming but it can actually look at the signature of the waveform of the uh, electrical draw of each device and start to figure out what those devices are so for example it'll come up and it'll say hey i found this thing and it's drawing about this much and it looks like it's probably a a, a refrigerator refrigerator. That's what most people have decided this is. So you can go listen for when the refrigerator turns on and off. And if that thing is going, then you can label it. So you start to get an idea of how much does each device cost you. And Steve did have to put in all of the uh, different rates we pay depending on time of day and all that. And uh, But one of the things we discovered was our little bitty wine fridge costs $55 a year to run on power. Now we can afford $55 a year, but what if you couldn't? I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money. 55 bucks just to keep your wine cold. Maybe keep yeah. it a little too cold in the regular <laughs> fridge or let it heat up, you know, move on. Um, but this then technology we, is, let me just add, this technology is pretty cool because we're not talking about putting a sensor on each device. We're putting us, these sensors are on the main electrical, uh, power lines into your house, yet they're picking up little tiny, uh, power forms writing on top of the main signal and deriving what device is being turned on or off just on that little thing writing, uh, that little signature. And there are a bunch of these happening simultaneously. So it uses an, an AI algorithm to sort all this out. Now, when we added in uh, solar, we ended up, that's when we bought the Sense, is we bought a, a Sense Solar, which comes up with two sets of these clips, and it allows you to monitor not only how much energy you're consuming, but how much solar power you're generating, and graphs it on one graph together. So you can see, like, if it's a nice sunny day, you see this beautiful bell curve of your solar energy, and then you can see the different things you're turning on and off over the course of the day. So like if we charge our cars, you see this massive spike that goes above anything the solar panels could do in it, you know, instantaneously. And um, you can see the oven turning on and you can see like these little spikes where the uh, refrigerator goes on and off and on and off all day. And we really, really like that. So when the, the uh, battery guys came out, we said, you know, we really want to keep this. Can you figure out how to use it? And they said, no, it's impossible. Can't be done. No way. No way. It's not. <laughs> no, there's no way. And then I was like, oh, come on, come on. You guys are clever. And they, they finally realized if they uh, what they modified the cable. Yes. So basically, the solar is now coming in through the sub panel, a separate panel from the main electrical panel. So we kept the main uh, CT clamps on the main lines coming into the electrical panel, and then they had to extend the lines going to the solar coming into the sub panel. They had to basically do a splice. They did that. We hooked it up, and things are not working well now. Uh, basically, um, because they're in two, two panels, they're measuring slightly different things. And it cannot measure both the solar and the main power draw simultaneously. One interferes with the other the way it is wired now. So it's kind of uh, disappointing that we lost that. Um, if I remove the solar clamps from the sub-panel, I can see the draw from the main panel for the for the non-backed up circuits now, the EV charger, the oven, but I can't see it for the other devices, right? Which is not what we wanted. No, did um, 
and we're going to talk about this here in just a moment, but did they put a soft start on like the ACs? What is that? So, well, go ahead. So when a, when an AC, um, when it starts up, it's got a big power draw at the beginning. You hear that clunk when it starts up and this, the, that can overpower the power walls if it's just running off of the power walls. So what it does is it will soften that start so that it doesn't overrun or it doesn't overwhelm the power walls. Does that make sense, Steve? Or is that yeah, yeah, that's fairly pretty accurate? Good. Um, so when electric motors kick in, if you just turn them on zero to a hundred, they have a huge current draw initially. And that's more, as you said, than the power wall can handle. But, um, there are two ways to handle that. One is this soft start device, which basically ramps up the turn on current. So it's not zero to a hundred in, you know, millisecond. It's zero to a hundred over some period of time. So it slowly ramps up and that reduces the spike in that current draw. You can do that if your AC is a zero to a hundred, you know, turn on, turn off. We happen to have a multi stage compressor and multi stage fan in our AC and our HVAC. And those have a natural slow turn on built into them. So they don't have a huge current draw even when they turn on. You didn't, I d- didn't need to have that device installed. It's, it's one way around it. And there is a, a parameter when you look at the specs of these devices that tells you what that draw is. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's something that's listed in the power wall spec. You can't exceed this parameter and it's something listed in the HVAC spec. So you can mix and match and determine whether you need to have this device that you mentioned, Bodhi, or your your HVAC can be handled by power walls. And ours could. And that is something, like, one of the things that I saw multiple times when researching the power wall installation is uh, people not knowing and the installers not knowing that they needed a soft start and then having either either retrofit that in mm. or delay the whole process. So yep. if people are out there thinking about this kind of thing, one of the things that is a recurrent lesson over and over and over again about these stories is any time you have to stop the process, getting back on track and getting back on schedule takes it just extends it out months and months and months. So, um, yep. Just for the li- average listener, you you really want to research what you need and talk with your installer and make sure all those things are covered and hound them about it. Don't uh, yeah. Don't don't just take their word for it. Like ask follow up questions because you could expect to have something done in three months and it could be nine months down the road and you still don't have your your install done. Or maybe it's all done, like I said earlier, and you're just waiting on this one particular part. Mm-hmm. It save yourself a lot of headache for sure. Good advice. What about uh do do you feel comfortable talking about like a, the cost savings potential? Because you guys have already <laughs> kind of said there's no savings. Yeah. Um th- they're there could be a savings if this net energy metering 3.0 kicks in um, because we will be able to shift our energy usage away from the grid during the peak periods. I find it highly unlikely that that will, though. Um, it it was proposed language and the furor that kicked up around it. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a, a, a great opinion piece in the New York Times where he explained uh, exactly why this was so bad. One of the, one of the features of net energy meeting 3.0 was that you would be charged a fee for how many kilowatts of kilowatts mm-hmm. of solar panels you had installed. Like Every just a month. fee. And so for my it's daughter, it was going to be, it was going to be $80 a month for the existence of her solar panels. 
that sounds like a penalty. It's right? also counter to what I think Calif- the state of California is trying to achieve with energy independence and more clean energy. It, it goes it flies in the face of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that I don't, I don't see it likely that with its current language, it would, but there's another way we might end up making money. <laughs> and it's actually Bodhi who turned us on to the idea, right, Steve? Uh, this is the, the <laughs> so our the energy power, virtual power plant. Oh, right, right. Yes. Yes. That, that is, that's a pretty cool feature. So, uh, this is a, a program that was started as a trial with uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, which is in California and on the West Coast. And now has it been extended to our utility, uh, Southern Cal Edison. And basically it's, and this is the nirvana of what I think home batteries are, are, are for. And that is we have excess energy at times when the grid needs it. And in, and what the grid normally does when it's running out of power is fire up peaker plants, which are these auxiliary power plants that are very dirty, very expensive, not good for the environment, but it, it helps get the utility through these peak demand periods. When, when, when it's super hot and all the air conditioners are kicking in, uh, really bad for the environment, very expensive. So this program will basically goes to the homeowners who have these batteries installed, these home, home batteries, and, and ask the homeowner, do you want to participate in helping during those periods? And uh, in other words, having your battery supply energy back to the grid instead of having to fire up as many of these peaker plants help fill that peak load with whole home batteries. And that's something we're all for. I mean, that that makes all sorts of sense. I mean, there are a lot of details like, are you going to have enough power in your battery that if you have an outage, you'd still have power left during one of these peak events? Uh, How much of your battery are you willing to drain? to help prop up the grid. But all of that is controllable through this program that Southern Cal Edison is now offering battery, whole home battery owners. And, and it we isn't are a, just Southern California Edison. When Bodie first sent it to us, it was a different uh, power company that was doing it and ours was not. So Right. PG&E started it, Southern California Edison, and has now adopted it. So it's now across, those are the, the main two suppliers in California. It's now now tell them how much state. money we'll make. Well, this is this is so interesting. Um, so we pay in California. We pay a lot for electricity, uh, and it varies between twenty to fifty-five, sixty cents a kilowatt hour. Some people will be surprised at that high number, but that's that's the state we live in. Um, if we participate in the uh, what do they call it? The power virtual power plant plan that we were just talking about. And for every kilowatt hour of energy we put back on the grid, we get $2. $2. The retail price at the highest is 65 cents. Oh, nice. So that's a huge payback. And it tells you how expensive the peaker plant power is to these utilities when they have to turn them on or how much they need to invest in new plants. They're avoiding those costs because the energy is available and just pumping it back through their grid is a lot less expensive than turning on a peaker plant or building a new one. So Steve, I want to do some math here. So $2 a kilowatt hour, let's call that pure profit. Uh, how many uh, kilowatt hours would you expect we'd be able to do over one of these periods of time? Five, 10, one? Uh, five, 10, 15. Uh, okay, let's, let's call it 15. Let's call it 15. 
So there would only have to be 833 of these events before we would break even on our uh, on our solar it's, panel. Yeah, by itself. Well, luckily the the grid is crumbling, Allison. 833. It, it doesn't have to take that many Could days. Could be a few really. weeks, huh? Yeah. Right. Uh, there. And, and let me just stress: you, as the participant in this plan, have full control of your participation. You can opt out of an event if one comes up because of whatever reason. You can pause your participation if you want to. You can set how much battery level you're willing to draw down to contribute to the grid. So it's not like, well, once I, once I once I participate in this plan, I'm you know I don't have control. I'm stuck. You do. Yeah. You don't want the utility to manage your power. Correct. For sure. and, and that was my biggest concern, and I'm no longer concerned after reading the fine print. Now, you know, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Allison. Well, if I could just wedge this in so I don't have to do this earlier in the show, because I'm going to do news before we do this interview. <laughs> Neo has these uh, battery swapping stations where you drive your car and they remove the battery. They put a new battery on. One of the things they're going to do with the newest version of their battery swap station is they are going to create a virtual power plant to help prop up the grid. And if oh, this, wow. I don't know if China uses peaker plants, but if this happened in the United States, then they could limit the amount of peaker plants that need to fire up when demand is high, especially if it's, if it's just high for a certain time period for a certain reason. Like mm-hmm. it, it could definitely help keep those peaker plants down for as long as, uh, as possible. I mean, at some point they're going to have to fire back up, but trying to keep them down is obviously good for everybody. Yeah. Um, it, the, the other thing we did discover when, uh, looking into what our options were, I, I shouldn't say we, this was Steve again, uh, that <laughs> there's a, um, when you go on solar in with in California, you have to go under this uh, net energy metering we've been talking about, but it's specifically you have to go into what's called a time of use plan. So you're paying a different amount depending on whether it's peak hours, off peak hours, major peak hours, holidays, you know, weekends, uh, holidays, <laughs> <Right>. weekends. <laughs> uh, you know, if the groundhog is seen as shadow, there's a different <laughs> rate for it. Um, and and the two that you get to pick from normally is. That the, the, the really super high peak hours are either from five to eight or four to nine. And four to yeah. nine is a lot cheaper, but, the, but that's basically you can't run any of your appliances. If you're a working stiff, you can't pay when you get home, right? So or you can't use your devices when you're home. So you can't run your dishwasher. You got to remember to turn it on before you go to bed, all that kind of thing. So, um, five to eight is a little more expensive, but maybe not quite as restrictive. It turns out if you're a, uh, if you have a solar and, I thought it said it, you had to have a battery, but Steve said that wasn't it. So I might be wrong on that. But there's a, a rate for people, or maybe it was for people with EVs. What was it? EV, solar, or battery is what they cite. And they, they have the word or in there. But, but it has to do with being able to shift your energy, either generation or usage. So it's a much cheaper rate. Yes. So, so basically this, uh, t- t- time of use prime plan is for those people who have the one or more of those devices in their home, battery, solar, or EV, and they have the ability to move how they consume or generate power. And so, so it's made for old retired people who have EV, <laughs> solar, and batteries. Or one, possibly one or two of those. Right. Huh. For instance, the, if you can avoid ahead. in this prime plan, uh, high energy consumption during their peak rates, you will greatly make out with this um, lower energy rate. 
I think it went from like 35 cents during the off-peak hours down to like 21. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. significant reduction. Now, it's it's ironic that we're doing it now. We or, Well, we want to set it up right now because we can't possibly figure out whether it saved us any money because we're pretty sure we're already energy independent. Right. So we think we're paying nothing, but we're going to pay – 30% less nothing if we do this and and we're going to count it as a savings. Um one of the it's frustrations- called dollar cost averaging. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The, the thing that's frustrating about this is the information I just told you about this great deal that you get and and here's how it works and everything is this only applies to people in California under Southern California Edison. You can be in, so- in Southern California and be under PG&E and everything I told you is irrelevant. You can right. be in Arizona and it's irrelevant. You can be in right. Belgium and it's super irrelevant. So you have to go check out and see what your own options are, but look for this kind of stuff. You know what's really a, a state that's really big into this and, and oh now now I'm about doubting myself. I think it's Vermont. Vermont, there's a utility company there that I think was installing. It's somewhere in that northeastern part of the country. They were installing uh, battery packs for people at a huge discount. Uh, and and then they also paid you as well so that you could wow. give back to the grid during those like nor'easters and stuff like that. There's There's an ad running on TikTok that I have never clicked that uh, talks about this new solar thing where you can get your solar panels installed for free and, and uh, people yeah. just don't know about it. And it's also, I think it's also running on CNN. I really wish that guy would get off my TikTok as well because I don't <laughs> trust him one single bit of what he's saying. But exactly. Uh, this is the, that this was something that was actually sponsored by, I think it was sponsored by the state as well as the utility, but I could be wrong on the state part of it, but definitely by the utility. So this is this is all good stuff. And, you know, in terms of cost versus savings, if you live in California and you have, you know, California is a big state. But if you live in California where you guys do and you have a really nice climate, maybe you don't see the savings as much as somebody that lives in Hawaii, for instance, where the, I think they paid they're the number one uh, highest electrical oh. market. Wait, why why wouldn't they get a good deal then? Well, they would. They would. Like, so you guys aren't going to see as much savings as somebody from Hawaii. Oh, I thought you said the other way around. Right, right. Yeah. All right. I think that we're going to end it here. Um, I I would like to to, to let people know that if you're not following, if you're not, if you're not subscribed to any of Allison's podcasts, you should, because you, without me here stumbling all over my conversation, talking, I actually have a cat that is attacking my foot throughout the show, so I apologize. I also have a compression stocking on, and he thinks it's okay to climb up it. So oh. the, wow. the the stumbles are normal, but also sometimes in pain. Anyway, my point is the um, the conversation we had here is not all that different from the conversation Allison has on her shows, so I would encourage everybody to go to podfeet.com and subscribe to all of her shows because if you like this kind of nerdy content that's the exact kind of nerdy content you're going to get you should also follow steve at sp sheridan on twitter and youtube and youtube i have a youtube account where i have several videos yeah so allison you're at Podfeed, right on twitter and steve you're at sp sheridan on twitter right well both of you, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed our talk. It didn't feel like an hour and 13 minutes. It, it felt like 30 minutes. <laughs> Bodhi and, thought uh, we could do this in 35 minutes. I said, <laughs> you have both of us on here. We both care. You know, that when I schedule an interview with people, I always say, I think it'll be 30 to 45 minutes. And 
it's always an hour and I, sh- I shouldn't I should just thought I should start saying an hour but I'm optimistic I'm like Elon with full self-driving <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you both um, I hope you have a, a wonderful lunch thank you thanks for having us Bodie All right, everyone, that is it for our show this week. I want to thank Allison and Steve yet again. I'm going to put their links in the show notes, but I highly encourage you to go to podfeet.com because everything good begins with podfeet.com and check out what Allison's doing with Chit Chat Across the Pond, Programming by Stealth, NoZillaCast. Um, there's another one I'm not quite remember, Security Bits uh, with Bart Bouchots. It's all great. I, I listen every week. So please go to podfeed.com and check out what she's doing. And if you like it, subscribe. I think you're going to like it. Also, Steve has a YouTube channel. I'll put his link in the show notes um, because Steve's just a really nice guy. And he does a good job explaining things. But they, they both do. Anyway, I love them to pieces. They're wonderful human beings. So... Yeah. Oh, you know, and they also wanted me to let you know that their the battery system for their home has one other really cool benefit is that it acts as a uninterrupted, uninterrupted. <laughs> Hold on, let me. Yeah, uninterrupted power supply Woo. or a UPS. It it that their system works as like a giant UPS for their house. Now they weren't a hundred percent sure what that means for the batteries. Like if if an electrical storm happens and they get hit with a with lightning, what happens to the batteries? But I haven't heard of any batteries going out because of a uh, a, a storm. So I'm sure they're really well grounded. But anyway, that's kind of cool. It's just a little added benefit. All right, if you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter, at 918digital. It's been a long day. And then again, I'm going to put uh, the link to Sarah's show, Stay the Night, in the show notes. I'm going to put a link to Allison's website and Steve's YouTube channel. Please, please, please go and subscribe to all three of those things because they're just wonderful, nice human beings. So let's let's give them support. All right, everybody, that is it for me. Thank you so much. I hope you all have a wonderful week.